You know, how many of you have ever heard that saying, when my ship comes in? I'm going to do this or that. When my ship, my daddy, that was always his thing. He'd say, well, when my ship comes in, then I'm going to do this or that. But then one day he realized if you don't send a ship out, no ship's coming in. (laughs) And he said to me, uh, you know, years ago when we started this church, tithing, daddy didn't know about tithing. In the church he was in, you just um, filled out an envelope that said what you felt you could pledge nothing wrong with that, but that's how it was done. And, and so tithing wasn't something he knew about. And, um, over time he said to me one day, I've been robbing God my whole life. And he said, I've got to stop this. Well, now he's 93. And he, at that time still had a little bit of, they still had the store open for about another year, but then their business closed and all he had was his social security check for my mother and himself, which wasn't a lot. And every month daddy would write that tithe check. And, uh, and somebody said something about, do you have to give on your Social Security? And my dad said, well, if you've robbed God your whole life, you better start sometime. <laughs> and so just a few weeks ago, some of you know my dad is, uh, well, we've had to put uh, hospice is now helping us with daddy. But um, he, he sits in his chair in his, in his house and in, in the uh, place where we have them now in, re, in a retirement place. But... He uh, keeps his eyes shut. He doesn't talk to us much, but he listens the whole time that we're talking. And you think he's not listening, but he is. And uh, so especially if you talk about money, because he's what they call the bean counter. He always was in business. And uh, he still tells me what to do, even though I'm writing the checks. He makes sure I understand. And I was sitting there one day and he goes, did you pay my tithe? Now, I know to tithe. We, you know, we've always tithed. I've always tithed since I was born again, even as a single mom. But I didn't tithe on my dad's because it was so close. And so I hadn't paid the tithe in a couple of three, four, five months. And he's, he's got his eyes shut the whole time. He said, you didn't, did you? I said, well, no, I didn't, Dad. Um, because I knew that it would maybe put us in a tight place. I knew that would worry you. He said, write the check. <laughs> and I said, Daddy, that'll be for five months. That's like $1,000. Write the check. I want to tell you, he's 93, but he understands the fear of God. Everybody say the fear of God. We're going to talk about that today. God is not a God to be scared of. God is a God to have reverential respect for and honor for and awe for. Because if you honor God and you have a fear of God, you will not have to suffer from the fear of man. And we're going to talk about that today, okay? Father, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, Lord. You've made a way for them where there was no way. In every situation, it's already been provided for by the blood of Jesus. And so to Today, we receive by faith the word of God. We receive it as truth, and we know that if we live that truth, we will be blessed. We thank you, Lord, that where we don't understand, you will give us understanding and enlighten us today to the truth of the word of God as it is shared. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. If you'll turn to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we're going to start there. And the message today is the escape clause. How many of you know that in um, certain situations, especially in today's world, uh, my husband and I just experienced this with the airlines. If you make an airline ticket, Pastor Bill was making one real late at night, and, and he went ahead and, and secured the ticket. But then the next morning when he woke up, he felt in the night that the Lord really wanted him to stay in where he was a little longer than he had said. And I said, if you call within 24 hours, they'll change that ticket, and they will not 
charge you a penalty. And so he called and got the ticket changed because it hadn't been 24 hours. There was an escape clause. Everybody say escape clause. <clears throat> it's that way. Excuse me, if you take a loan, if you do other things in many places, there's a 24-hour waiting period where you can escape, so to speak, from that obligation as long as it's done within that time frame. So there's a way of escape. Um, I was thinking about, you know, in Israel when those air raid sirens go off. Uh, you know, there are warning. Everybody say a warning. And they can produce a certain amount of fear. It would, uh, if I lived in Israel and, you know, you wake up at 2 in the morning, a siren goes off, there is an emotion of fear. However, there is a way of escape. Everybody say a way of escape. There are, bomb sh there are places, bomb shelters, where you can go to escape what that is about to bring about. And hopefully in that situation, you will escape. So, you know, I see it with tornado warnings. Here we just have those sirens that go for tornadoes. But, you know, there, the warning... Warnings provide a way of escape, oftentimes, because they tell us it's coming and we have an opportunity to do something about it. If you don't have a warning, then you're in a serious situation. And if you've watched any of the Weather Channel, people who get a warning uh, with tornadoes, especially where we're, well, we were in Oklahoma for nine years, out there you need a warning because when that tornado comes through, it's not like back here in Indiana. It may touch you. You can be pretty sure if it's coming toward your house, it's not going to stop. It's going gonna, it's gonna to carry out what it's doing. And so every one of us in the world today, if we're, if we're listening to the Spirit of God, are being warned. Everybody say warned. And so warning can produce a fear, but it should be a fear that produces in us awesome respect for who God is and puts us in a place of protection because God is going to tell us what to do. But the world doesn't know what to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, the world doesn't know. You know, NBC, CBS, ABC, they don't know what to do. Uh, the president really doesn't know what to do. Everybody is getting people's opinions, trying to figure out what to do. But there's only one who knows what to do, and that's God himself. And so <clears throat> this is what he says in verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. We sang that today. God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape. Say, God will make a way. Yeah. That you may be able to bear it. Now, that doesn't mean always that you'll get out of it. It just means God will make a way of escape even in it that you will be able to go through that circumstance and you will not be defeated in the midst of it. So God always makes a way. In this particular part of scripture, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth and they have really gotten in a mess as a church. They're, they've got things going on that are not right. So Paul writes them a letter of correction. And just before this scripture, he's telling them of the mistakes that the people in the old covenant had made uh, that caused them to get out of the will and plan of God, put them in a position sometimes of total destruction because they didn't listen to the voice of God. And so what he was saying to them was in this scripture, um, it says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. 
And then he goes on and says, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. You know, we all face temptations every day for one thing or another. Like my husband just talked about in giving, some people are fearful to give. Some people are fearful of other things, the situations in their job, situations in their family. But we all face the temptation to walk in fear. We all have that opportunity every day to choose. How many of you know that's true where you live? The enemy is always challenging us, and he is, he's an enemy that uses fear to torment people and hold them in a place of bondage. And so as I was driving over the bridge um, over on 52, uh, going to the park the other day, sometimes when God speaks, it's like you can remember exactly where you were. How many of you have ever had God just drop something in your heart? You know exactly where you were when you heard it. And uh, my husband has begun to teach, and he will be teaching, will continue to teach on what's coming in the earth, what we're going to see, not to produce a fear that makes you want to run and hide, but to produce in you the ability to be prepared for what's going to happen. So you know what God's telling you to do and not wake up one morning and want to go run hide when there's nowhere to hide. How many of you in the earth, there's nowhere to hide from what's going to happen in the earth. We're going to have to stand in the middle of it and believe that God's going to give us the ability to bear it and walk through it. And so um, I have in my life in the past been very fearful. I was a very fearful person. I made a lot of wrong decisions due to fear. You may be here today and have never done that. But my tendency was if I got afraid to want to run, to get away from it, make a decision that would get me out of it. And sometimes I ran right into the enemy, right into the enemy. And I remember in the very beginning of being saved, the the lady that was mentoring me said, whenever you feel like running, stop. And I would say that to you today. (laughs) Whenever you feel like running, stop. Because if you turn and run, there is an enemy waiting back there to devour you. If you stand with the Lord, you will overcome. And so you never run. Um, It says in 2 Peter uh, 1, 2, through four that God provides a way of escape from corruption that is in the earth. And he does it through his promises. He does it through his divine power, which has caused us to partake of his divine nature. In other words, we have the ability to be like him because of the Holy spirit that lives in us. And I want to read this one to you. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, as his divine power has given to us. Now this is a free thing that God has given all things that pertain to life and godliness. That means we can't say, I don't know what to do because that's not the word. He has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Then it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, these precious promises through his divine power, you may be partakers of the divine nature, his, the way he is having escaped. Everybody say escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We are dealing with that in a major way right now in this country and around the world. People's desire lust is just people desiring what they want regardless of what happens to anybody else. They say in, in today's world, I can do whatever I want because I'm not really hurting anybody else. How many of you know sin hurts everybody? And so when people are living that kind of a motto, they're really deceived. They're not really living truth. And as I was going across that bridge, this is what I heard. And it was just a word. Everybody say a word. You know, God doesn't give you a book. He gives you a word. 
And then from there, he shows you things. And so I heard a warning provides information to make changes or to prepare the way of escape. Fear has torment with no answers. So a warning can produce a fear, you know, of, oh, uh, hearing about the end times, hearing what's coming in the earth can produce a fear. But if it's the Lord, everybody say, if it's the Lord, if it's a warning, then it has with it information to make changes or to prepare the way of escape. And that just, you know, from there, I felt like the Lord said, there's such deception in the world today about fear. Everybody say fear, you know, um, traffic signals, you know, they are red, yellow, and green. We all know that, right? Red means stop. Yellow means prepare to stop and yield to the other person. And red, what does red mean? Stop. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit has a green light, a yellow light, and a red light for the church. And if we're walking in those uh, warnings, so to speak, or in that information, then that is not to um, scare us. Although I don't know about you, but just ask yourself, how many of you have gone through a yellow light, it turned red, and there's a policeman, and you feel fear? (laughs) Amen? But it's reverential fear. Because there is a rule that says don't run a red light. You know, Pastor Bill has a tendency to run red lights. I'm sorry, Rodney. I'm sorry. My nephew, he's a deputy, and his uncle is notorious. But um, it seems like whenever he does do that, he, he says they last too long. And in some places, they're, they're, they don't turn green quick enough. And, and so one day he did this, and Andy Gahabe was right there pointing at him. And he's trying to explain to Andy as he turns the corner, it was too long. I couldn't wait. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> there is a, a reverential fear and respect we should have for those in authority. In our nation, there's no reverential fear or respect to the level that it used to be. How many of you would agree with that? Now, it's based oftentimes, and we say, because they don't deserve it. But the Bible says that those in authority do deserve that reverential fear. And if we don't honor God, everybody say honor God, by honoring what he says, then we're going to be in a a position we don't want to be in. To escape means to get away from a place. This is very good. It's just the dictionary. But to get away from a place where you are being held or kept from a dangerous situation, a difficult or unpleasant circumstances. You know, when you're held or a captive and you're in a a dangerous place, you need somebody to rescue you or to make a way of escape. Um, I love the Psalm Isaiah 43. I don't know if you know that, but it's uh, Isaiah the prophet uh, wrote it and it's just a great psalm. Maybe you're there today. I want to read a little bit of it to you before I, I go on here. But it says... Uh, that no matter what p- place you're in, no matter how uh, much things are coming against you, it says uh, that he will make a way for you. It says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not. Everybody say fear not. Fear not. 
For I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. You're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And, uh, and he says, he goes on and says, I have loved you. And then it says in verse 11, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. Everybody say, thank God for the Lord, for the Lord Jesus. And then it goes on in verse 19, it says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And no matter how uh, fearful the world seems to be, it even says that in the last days, men's hearts will fail them because of fear of what's happening around them. That's the scripture in Luke 21, 26. So fear is going to have to be dealt with in some way in what we're going to walk through. And my husband's getting ready to uh, share a whole series on the end times. And if I believe if we don't have our fear anchored in the Lord, then our fear in man is going to cause us to become fainthearted. We're going to want to give up. We're going to want to run and hide and there's nowhere to go. But I believe if we have our fear in the Lord, everybody say in the Lord. And I'm going to show you scriptures today to help you with that. But as I was looking at this message, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that um, do not lose heart and don't look at. Everybody say don't look at. Don't look at the things that you see, but look at the things which are not seen. What that simply means is don't look at what the world is saying. Look at what. God is saying, because it says the things that are seen are temporary. Everybody say temporary. Turn to him and say, thank God. <laughs> they are temporary, which really means they are subject to change. They can be changed, but the things that are eternal says they can never be changed. They're forever because God is forever faithful to what he says. And so I was, I, I want to show you uh, the difference between the fear of man and the fear of God today. I was raised um, in the Methodist church. It was a nice church. It was actually an evangelical United Brethren church. Uh, my grandmother and three other people started that church. And uh, my grandmother was very rigid person, a very rigid person. I mean, I can still see her in her black outfit with those black granny shoes, you know, those kind that they, well, of course, I'm old and a granny now, but I wouldn't wear those shoes still. <laughs> hallelujah. But anyway, she was a force to be reckoned with. Her name was Molly. And uh, I mean, she sat in her pew rigid, you know. And uh, I, don't, I don't ever remember smiling except when I would play the organ. And she'd look over at me and give me a little, you know, a little grin. But she would say, you girls, that would be my sister right here and me, our God is going to get you for the way you treat your mother. Well, we knew how we treated her, so we were sure we were going to be God. That was the end of the story. And so, you know, there was no question. We were, we were a force to be reckoned with. Now, Daddy, on the other hand, we didn't mess with him because we knew that my dad was in charge. And so he, even though he was the one that we were fearful of, we were not scared of him. Does that make sense? We had reverence for my dad. We knew that if my dad said we were going to be spanked, we were going to be spanked. 
if my grandma said, God's going to get you girls, she was going home. She wasn't going to do anything. Just tell us that. But it made me scared of God, but I wasn't scared of my dad. But I saw God as a get you God. Even though my dad was going to discipline us, I never saw my dad as someone who was going to get me. And, and because of that, he was my security. He was my sister's security. Uh, he was our whole family's security because we, we knew we could count on him because his word was sure. What he said, that was what he was going to do. He is still that way today. Even though he's 93 and he's on hospice, he is still my dad. And we still honor him and what he says even though the other day I was there and we're trying to sell his house and I was trying to explain to him what the commission would be he said get me a pencil well he can't see very well his glasses can't see out of those but he gets this pencil and he's squinting and he's got his pencil and he's trying to multiply and he was having a hard time so I got down on the floor and got beside him and I multiplied every bit of it for him and he said okay you can do that He's still in charge, but it's a safety. Everybody say a safety. He may have his eyes closed, and he may not understand fully what's going on, but by the Spirit. Everybody say by the Spirit. The fear of God in him, he knows what's happening, and I trust him. He's 93. I still trust him, even though I may look like I'm more alert and on top of it than him. In the Spirit. Everybody say in the Spirit. Because of his fear of God, I know enough to listen to what he says. In the world today, the enemy has so deceived the church that it's, and and the world totally, that we want to get rid of everything that is God. We, you know, God will keep you from doing what you want to do. And you don't want to go to church because they're going to preach to you that you can't do what you want to do. And after all, what you want to do isn't going to hurt anybody but you. Everybody say lie. lie. It's deception. But what it's done is it's caused people to think it's all right to leave God out of the equation. So where does that put them? Right in the place that it said they will be. Men's hearts will fail them because of fear, because they have nothing to hold on to. They're holding on to man, and man has nothing to offer in the last days. Nothing. Only God. And as God began to show me this, now, because I was always such a fearful person, I can talk about this because I lived this. And the scripture that probably helped me more than anything was Proverbs 29, 25, because I could see myself as God was teaching me back in 1979 what was wrong with me. I thought everybody else was my, was my problem. Probably you don't think that. You probably understand that you're your problem. But if you don't, I'm telling you today, you are your problem. Hallelujah. The fear of man. Everybody say the fear of man. Brings a snare. It's a trap. It's what we said you need to escape from. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Then it goes on. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice, everybody say justice. Justice for man comes from the Lord. Justice is not going to come for, for you through a president, through a, a party. Justice will not come through you to you through the military. Justice comes from God and God is always righteous in his justice and his judgment. And so as the body of Christ, if we have our fear in the Lord, our reverential respect in the right 
position with the Lord, then there's nothing that this world can do that can take away from us our peace, our joy, our prosperity, or anything else that we have because it's secured by God. It will never change. The word is true. It will never be changed. And so in Luke 21, 26, when it says men's hearts will fail them because of fear, I want you to look, or you don't have to, I'll just tell you this one. 2 Timothy 2, 3, it says in the last days, men's hearts will no longer love God the most. They will love other things more. Everybody say love other things. They'll love other things more. Now, let me tell you, when your love is for other things and not for God, you are in a position to be tormented every single day of your life. And that's what I was tormented every day because first John, this is first John four verses 17 and 18 in this union and communion with him, love is brought to completion and attains perfection with us that we may have confidence. Everybody say confidence for the day of judgment with assurance and boldness to face him because as he is, so are we in this world. Then it says there is no fear in, there is no fear in love, but that's the love that we have for God, not this world. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment, and so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. What it simply meant was when God told me, he said, if you love me, then you will have no fear. It's not because of what other people are doing. It's because of your relationship with me. It's awfully silent in the house, but it's true. In other words, as long as my relationship with the Lord, if I love him, then I'm safe. Just like I love my dad. Now, God will discipline us. Everybody say that. God will discipline me. Do, do, do you wake up? We had um, Lance and Courtney Wildoner here in the first service, and Lance is assistant principal at Harrison High School, and his main uh, position there is in discipline. He takes care of issues that happen that he has to fix. I said Lance does not wake up every morning thinking about how he can torture all the students of Harrison High School that get in trouble that day. That's not what he thinks. You know, uh, I know that as police officers, they don't, they don't want to go and arrest people. They'd like to see people get it right. You know, we have a big major situation in Missouri right now that we need to pray for. Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for truth. We pray for truth to prevail because it says in your word where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and truth always reveals the, the will and plan of God. The truth will make everybody free in this situation. We bind hostility. We bind the work of the enemy to bring division and strife against races, against anything that is in that community. We thank you, Lord, for wisdom for those that are in charge. We pray protection over the people and the police officers because we know as the church, our fight is not flesh and blood. It is powers, principalities that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God and find a place to bring destruction against good godly people in Jesus name. Amen. This thing of fear is going to cause this nation to erupt in major problems. If we do not understand that if we fear God, 
then we are not going to be in position. We are subject to what the world is doing. And the enemy is using fear for all of these issues to bring them to a place of hostility, to bring them to a place where people are going to be hurt and people are going to be even lose their life. That is not God. Everybody say that is not God. But if we as the church do not begin to stand up and say there is an enemy and it is not my brother, it is not my sister, it is the devil. It is the devil. We identify it for what it is. If our president doesn't stand up and stop saying that this is an issue of poverty and that's why people get in wars. No, it's a, it's a, it's a church war. It is a religious fanatic war. That's what we're in. And the church has power to stop it. And I've gone to preach it. I'm clear off my notes. Let me get back to where I was. (laughs) As you can tell, God's worked on me for fear. I'm not as fearful as I used to be. Hallelujah. Because I didn't like being terrified all the time. I had three kids to raise. And my greatest fear was they're going to take them from me because I was such a screwball. Hallelujah. And I was, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I knew I didn't know what I was doing. God knew I didn't know what I was doing, and thank God the Word got a hold of me, and I stopped being hysterically fearful. Everybody say hysterically fearful. It says in this amplified version, if you want to know, ladies, men, you won't like this version. Too many words. But if you, ladies, this really is a big help because it identifies every emotion that goes with the word, you know, and you can, you can see what it is. But I read this about in first Peter, it's first Peter three. And it talks about how Sarah was able to call Abraham Lord. I mean, the, the man gave her away twice, you know, and, and, you know, I had been divorced twice, so I could identify with this poor woman. And so, you know, it, and, 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 and so she, but God said she could call him Lord, not because of who he was, because of who God was. And she no longer had to be terrorized, it says in the Amplified. And that means hysterically fearful. And I could say, that's me. And God showed me that is exactly you. So you have to trust me not man. You know, I'd already determined I didn't need a man because that wasn't working so good. But I had three children. I needed help. How many of you have ever needed help? And, but I found the man, the man, the Lord, he helped me. And in that place, I became secure. Everybody say secure. But my fear of God, my fear of God was not, I'm scared of him. It was that he's so awesome that all I got to do is trust him. Everything's going to be all right. Hallelujah. Now, I had bad days and good days, but I did not like torment. I still do not like fear. If I get around somebody that's fearful, I can get, I call it righteous indignation. Some people would call it anger, but I do not like fear. Fear. It kills people. It's destructive. People make just terrible decisions when they're fearful. I did it. And this is what the word says. Everybody say the word says. Second Timothy 1, 7. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but power, love. Everybody say love. Love, say love, Love. and a sound mind. And when you are fearful, your mind is spaghetti. You do not know anything. Now, everybody say the fear of the Lord. It's not like this. The fear of the Lord. See, now, growing up, if I remembered everything my grandma said, I wouldn't want to be with the Lord because he was going to get me. And when you know that you've been bad, how many of you know when you've done it wrong? And how often do people, when they do it wrong, run from God instead of to God? Why? Because they think he's going to get them. They're afraid of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. Everybody say a good thing. It's an excellent thing. Isaiah 33, 6 in the Amplified, and I'm going to give you Amplified scriptures. 
uh, just a clue, if you're taking notes, write down the numbers of the scripture, then the book, and then you'll be able to go back and find it. If you try to remember it, you won't remember those numbers. Isaiah 33, 6. This is what it says. There shall be stability. Everybody say stability. In your times and abundance of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge, the reverent fear and worship of the Lord is your treasure and his. Everybody say the fear of the Lord. See, the fear of the Lord is a good thing. It says in, in Proverbs 15, 33, let's look at that one. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord brings instruction. How many of you need some instruction today? If you fear the Lord, you'll get your instruction in wisdom and humility comes before honor. What does that say? If you, uh, the Amplified says humility is the leaning of your entire personality. That means the way you see things. Different people have different personalities. The entire personality upon the Lord and not your own opinion. If you'll do that, then you put yourself in a position of honor. Humility comes before honor. Proverbs 3, 7 this is what it says. Be not wise in your own eyes, reverently fear and worship the Lord and turn entirely away from evil. Proverbs 10, 27 says, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's days, but the years of the wicked will be made short. How many want to live long? So you're going to have the fear of the Lord. How many of you want to live short? You're going to have the fear of man. Okay. That's pretty simple. I want to live long, live strong, live long, fear the Lord. Amen. Amen. Put him in that position of reverence. Now that is, uh, that's the, the Hebrew word mora for fear is reverence, awe, and object of respect. How many of you would agree with me that in the world today, respect has kind of gone by the wayside? doesn't have anything to do with age or anything else. It just, there's, there's not respect. Proverbs 6, 6. By mercy and love, truth and fidelity to God and man, not by sacrificial offerings, iniquity is purged out of the heart. And by reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord, men depart from and avoid evil. To me, that just says, if you will fear the Lord, you won't want to do evil. How many of you, that'd be better than somebody telling you you can't do evil? There's something about people saying, don't do that, that really makes us do it, doesn't it? Because there's such a spirit of rebellion in there's rebellion in the church. There's rebellion in the world today. Nobody likes to be told, don't do that. In fact, if you go to some churches and they say, don't do that, people say, well, I'm not going back there. I don't like what they told me today. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't going to stop saying the same thing. No matter where you go, you're still going to hear it. It's going to be on the inside of you. But it's for your protection, not for your demise. And so that spirit of rebellion is really rampant in people. Proverbs 19.23 says, The reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord leads to life. How many want life? And he who has it rest, satisfied. How many of you want to be satisfied and be at rest? He cannot. Everybody say, he cannot. He cannot be visited with actual evil. In other words, the fear of the Lord stops evil from having an effect on your life. Now, by the end, we ought to all be choosing, I think I'll fear the Lord. Because the alternative is not that good. The alternative is a snare. 22.4 says, and this is a good one, the reward. Everybody say there are rewards of humility and the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Any candidates for that? 
Then it says in um, Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Now, all of those Proverbs are written by a man named Solomon. Solomon, and he started out really well because he did fear the Lord. He reverenced God. He, he told God, listen, I can't rule these people. I need help. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said, my dad knew how. I don't know how. So I'm asking for wisdom and revelation as to what to do with these people. And God gave it to him. So he did fear the Lord. God answered that prayer. But as he went along, he began to have love for other things. Everybody say love. Now, what happens when your love leaves for God and it gets on other things? You get into the fear of man instead of the fear of God. Because God is He's love. Everybody say he's love. God is love. Everything God does is because of love. And so after all of his troubles, uh, he fell in love with horses and foreign women. Everybody say, don't do that. (laughs) Because God told him, don't do that. God told him specifically, it was in the book of Deuteronomy. It was in the Torah. It was in the law. Do not multiply horses and do not marry foreign women. And Solomon did both. He had so many wives, he didn't even know what to do with them. But they diverted him from the fear of God and got him into idolatry. Everybody say, don't go there. Idolatry is simply you worshiping things other than God or you loving things more than you love God. And that's exactly what he did. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, that's a book where he talks about how everything is just vain. It's useless. You know, why live life? He was in a real pity party during that book. He wrote that book. But then at the end, he said, all has been heard. The end of the matter is, in other words, after all said and done, I'm going to tell you what the real thing is. Everybody say, fear God. Revere and worship him, knowing that he is, and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. Now, this is really good, this next part. The full original purpose of his creation, that's man. The object of God's providence, that's man. The root of character. The root of character is in your fear of God. That's what God has for man. The foundation of all happiness is in the fear of God. The adjustment to all, this is good, in harmonious circumstances. Those are bad situations. To all in harmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. In other words, the answer to everything for man is the fear of God. The whole and duty of every man is to fear God. Now, if... If perfect love cast out all fear, everybody say the way of escape. Perfect love cast out all fear because fear has torment. That's the fear of man. That's where torment and fear is to terrorize man. Now, if perfect love cast that all out, perfect love comes in a relationship with God. There is no perfect love of man. How many of you have tried to love people the way God loved them and found out you're not quite up to the task sometimes? Yeah. But perfect love cast out all fear. So what did Jesus say is the number one commandment of all? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that is in you, the number one. Everybody say number one. What is that? The fear of the Lord. That is the fear of the Lord. I encourage all of you today to stop being fearful. If you're here and you're fearful, you know, we can lay hands on people and cast out a spirit of fear. It's real. It's wicked. It comes against people. And people can be delivered from anything because Jesus paid the price at Calvary. But to walk it out, everybody say walk it out. There's going to have to be a choice. 
The choice is fear of man or fear of God. And we get to make that choice. But in fearing God, don't expect somebody to beat you over the head with a hammer. Because if you read the scripture, everybody say, if you read the truth... The truth will make you free. And it doesn't say God hits anybody over the head with a hammer. It says that his wisdom comes with fearing him. It says his peace comes with fearing him. It says riches and honor come with fearing him. It says long life comes with fearing him. Nothing evil comes from God. Amen. It's over here in this other thing. And you have been translated out of it. Praise Jesus. Let's stand. Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you that fear has no hold on this congregation in any area of their life because they choose to fear God and not what this world can do. And in doing that, Lord, they make a decision that there's, there's really one way. The way, the truth, and the life is Jesus. The only answer to their situation is Jesus. You may be here today if you bow your heads and you may say, you know, I, I've known the Lord in my life, but I, um, I'm not walking with him. And there's evidence of that by the way my life is right now. And I need the mercy of God. We sang about it. Grace, mercy, mercy, new every morning. The good thing about God is that when we repent, it's forgotten, it's gone, and we get to start again. There's mercy new every day. Even every minute, if we need it, we're for fighting in a huge battle and we miss it. And you may be here today and you've missed it. You've walked with God and you're not walking with him now. Or maybe you're here today and you, you've really never given God control. You've never said, Jesus, I want you to be my savior. What he said in, in Isaiah 43 is true. His is the only way to salvation. His way He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. And if that's you today and you're here and you say, I I didn't even know I had to choose. I didn't know that. I was in a in the Methodist church my most of my young life, and I didn't know ever that I had to invite Jesus to come into my heart or to give him permission to take over my life. But he wants he wants to be invited. It says in the book of Revelations, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will open that door, I will come in. I will come into him, and I will make my home in him. And if that's you today, and you want Jesus to be involved in your life, you want him to be the Lord in your life, would you just lift your hand? We want to pray for you today. If that's you, I see your hand over here. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.